Welcome to Passports and Postcards, where we discuss everything travel, from cultural inspirations to exciting destinations and everything in between. With your host, Randall McKeown. Hello and welcome to Passports and Postcards. I'm your host, Randall McKeown, and I'm honoured to have a special guest today, Sue Skelly. She is here to talk about why she walks across countries. She states that she states that walking ignites your soul. She's a certified nutrition coach and a certified plant-based educator. So welcome to the show, Sue. Thank you. It's fun to be here. So whereabouts roughly are you located? I am in Laguna Hills, California. I'm halfway between LA and San Diego. Good old West Coast, North America. Yes, but born and raised in Columbus, Ohio. Oh, not too far from here, so, yeah. I'm an Ohio girl. (laughs) The story behind you is that you walk, you walk many countries. Can you tell our listeners what motivated you to start walking these countries? Uh, Let's see, let me go back. Uh, In 1987, I spent my senior year in Madrid, Spain. And I'm aging myself. So my senior year of college. And this was back when we did uh, everything. All abroad programs were actually in Spanish. That was a huge learning opportunity for me. I feel very blessed that I got to do that. So our teacher on one of our field trips took us to Galicia, Spain. She took us to Santiago de Compostela. And we toured the cathedral. And there's a spot where the pilgrims would all come and put their hands on the side of the entrance. And there's an indentation in the side of the cathedral with a palm palm print. I don't know if you've seen the movie, The Way, but they show that in the movie. And I, we saw the pilgrims coming in with their backpacks and this was in 87. So there weren't that many pilgrims back then. And I told my teacher and I told my, my classmates, Oh, I'm going to come back and do that someday. And then I got married, had four kids. I kind of forgot about it a little bit, to tell you the truth. And then I think it was in no, 2004, a friend of mine said, hey, we're going to go to the movies, meet me at you know, the, the Irvine Theater. And she told me the name of the movie. I had no idea was it, what it was about, but she was a good friend and I wanted to spend time with her. So mm-hmm. I show up and I actually showed up 10 minutes into the movie And when the movie was over, I just sat in my seat crying because I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to go do that because the movie's about the Camino. And I told her, I said, I'm going to do that. She's like, what do you mean you're going to go do that? I said, I made up my mind in 87 to go do that. I kind of forgot. Thank you for inviting me to this movie. So I said, I told her when my youngest starts college, I'll go back and do the Camino. And then once again, I didn't forget about it. But, you know, I was raising a teenager, which is not easy. And um, it was Christmas of 2017. I was at a Christmas party and my friend said, oh, Sue, I want you to um, meet my friend Lori. Lori just got back from Spain. She walked across Spain. And Sue used to live in Spain. So you guys have a lot to talk about. I said, did you do the Camino? She goes, yeah. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I believe that I was called to do the Camino. It's it's crazy. Like, And I believe that as soon as someone feels called to do the Camino, that's when their Camino begins. So I started planning and 
Sure enough, a week after my daughter got married, I was on a plane to Madrid and I walked across Spain. And what was that experience like for you? Well, it was just really life-changing. I'm going to tell you a story and it's kind of unbelievable, but it really happened. (laughs) So my husband and I actually met in Madrid and on that program. And so when he saw me preparing for the trip, he said, I think I'll go with you. And I go, well, it's really a solo thing. And he goes, yeah, but it's our 30th anniversary. I said, okay, you can come if you want, but I want to walk the whole thing. And he goes, okay, I'll walk 10 days or so with you. And then you can stay and finish. So he walked with me from France over the Pyrenees to Burgos. And then he was, the plan was he was going to fly home. We, we did like a three-day weekend up at the beach to kind of recover. And then I was going to start walking after he flew home. And the morning I was going to start walking, I had all kinds of intestinal problems. I had diarrhea, vomiting. It was a bad rainstorm, electric storm. And I was laying in bed in the hotel kind of going, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. And I was, I lost my nerve. I just lost my nerve. And I said to him, I think I want to just fly home with you. And he goes, yeah, you know, you have nothing to prove to anyone. Just fly home with me. So I went back and we returned the rental car and we got on the train to head back to Madrid. We spent the night, go to the airport the next day. The whole time I had this like sick feeling like I was making a mistake. Like, oh, I'm giving up my dream. I can't believe I'm going to not do this. And we get on the plane and we had been upgraded to first class, which rarely happens for me, but that was kind of exciting. So we're in the third, third row of the plane and I'm looking out the window. My, our backpacks were up above in the overhead, yeah. right? I was watching the, the bags go on the plane and the pilot said, oh, we have like a 20 minute delay. And I look up and the plane door was still open. And I was like, I think I'm going to jump off the plane. I want to stay and walk. <laughs> And I was literally getting the nerve to undo my seatbelt and they closed the airplane door and my heart just sunk. When I saw that airplane door close, it was almost like all my dreams. It was like a symbol of my chickening out or failing. Cause I think failure isn't failure is failing. Doesn't mean you try, you tried and failed. I think failing means you didn't even try. Like I think true failure is when you don't even go for it. And I was just sitting there feeling sick to my stomach. And all of a sudden I stood up, I ran into the bathroom because we were still kind of at the gate and I was vomiting in the airplane bathroom and the head flight attendant heard me. Well, I was in there for a long time and I came out and he goes, madam, are you okay? And I was like, no. And he goes, are you sick? And I said, yeah, I vomited and I have diarrhea. And he said, Ooh, I have to tell the captain. So the captain came out and said, I'm sorry, madam, but I cannot let you fly. You can't fly across the Atlantic because isn't your end destination California? And I said, yeah. And he goes, I'm going to have to ask you to deboard. The gate agent came and said, um, we flagged your passport and you have to have a, a doctor sign off on this piece of paper to approve you to fly across the Atlantic. So he he called the airport manager and the airport manager walked me to the doctor's office, which is in the basement of the Madrid airport. And they gave me a shot. They gave me an IV. He actually charged my phone because my phone was dead. I had no cash. <laughs> he charged my phone and then he called a, a golf cart. He observed me for a while and I started feeling better. 
and they called a golf cart and he, the guy drove me to the ATM, which was in the next terminal over, got cash, jumped in a cab, went back to the train station and took a train back and got on the Camino and walked it. So the Camino wasn't going to let me chicken out. Like I had, I know without a shadow of a doubt, I had a call to walk the Camino, whether I wanted to or not. <laughs> so that's kind of a crazy story. I call that vomit divine vomit. <laughs> well, I always think that there, when we do get a calling, that there are other energy or other powers that control that. Even though we think we're in full control, as you experienced there, there was a reason why you had to get off the plane. First, you wanted to get off when you thought the door was open, found the door was closed. There was a way for you to get off and complete your journey. It's an amazing story. Sorry that you were that sick. It was maybe the body telling you, telling the mind, you got to go do this. Yeah, for sure it was because... I just thinking about it, I have a stomach ache because when we were even taking the cab from the hotel to the airport, I knew, I knew I should just go straight to the train station. I knew I was making a mistake. It, I'm so grateful that that happened. So I, I, I took the train. I started off in Lyon, started walking. And I had no idea how to find the trail <laughs> because I was coming from a different direction, right? I mean, the yeah. Camino, I don't know if you're familiar with the Camino. No. There's arrows. There's um, little yellow arrows literally painted on the pavement, on sidewalks, on rocks. You'll see signs. So you just start walking. Mm -hmm. and You don't need a map. You don't need a guidebook. You just follow the yellow arrows. And I arrived at the train station and I kind of didn't know where to go. But then I realized, oh, I just look for the cathedral spires because... Mm -hmm. The Camino in, is, is an ancient pilgrimage route that was started, I think, in the first century. So the pilgrimage, every, every, uh, in every city, you go right past the cathedral because pilgrims were supposed to go in and receive prayers or receive a blessing. Or sometimes um, there would be like a hostel in ancient times right next to the cathedral so that people who were walking the pilgrimage could stop and sleep. So I knew that if I found the cathedral, I'd be able to find my way again. And sure enough, I found, I saw on the horizon, I saw the cathedral walk there and then started looking for arrows. And then I found my way to a, it was a monastery that first night by myself. And I was washing out my clothes because I only carry like 10 pounds. I carry a 22 liter backpack and I was washing out my stuff. And this English girl woman says, hello there. You, are you okay? And I, I think I was terrified. I said, not really. I just got thrown off an airplane about four hours ago. <laughs> and I go, and she was like, what? I told her my story. And she goes, well, you're walking with us tomorrow. So I walked with her and her best friend and her daughter. And they were like my first Camino angels. I walked with them off and on all the way to Santiago. But most of the time I was walking by myself. When you do these walks, you probably come, like you said, you come across people and have you made friendships along the way that you still maintain? Absolutely. Uh, so the woman who I met washing out my underwear and sure, she, her name's um, Julia Doherty. She lives in the Midlands in the UK and her friend is Julie Barnes. I keep in touch with them. Uh, let's see. I, I, really kind of a remarkable story is we had walked that first day from Lyon 
to this little tiny town. And I was with the three of them and we arrived at a hostel and I, I can't, it's just magical because the, the community spirit on the Camino is something you, it's unlike anywhere in the world. And you get all these, you walk all day and you arrive and you're exhausted. So all of us had showered, we changed our clothes and we were sitting on the back porch of this hostel. It's called an albergue. And the pictures of sangria were being passed around. Everybody's drinking sangria. And there were about 15 of us from about 12 different nations going around and saying where we're from and introducing each other. And they get to me and I said, I'm Sue from California. And this other woman says, I'm from California too. And she goes, where? And I said, Southern. She goes, me too. And we looked at each other at the exact same time and said, oh my gosh, were you at that potluck in Newport Beach, New Year's week? So we had been at a Camino Q&A session at a friend of our, mutual friend's house to learn about what to pack in our bags. And it was potluck. We remembered each other. And then here we fast forward six months and we met on the Camino. So we're still friends and we're actually going to start a business together. And we feel like our friendship is completely serendipitous because we, we met at this party and then we actually ran into each other six months later, if you can believe it. <laughs> Have you traveled to any other countries? Well, I loved the Camino so much. I went back the next year and walked from the Swiss border to Rome. And how long was that trip? That was about 40 days. But I do need to give a disclaimer. Um, I was more about exploring Italian culture because Italy is just so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I had been to Italy before, but never really like immersed myself in the culture. So I went off trail a few times. I took a three-day rest day in the Cinque Terre and just swam in the ocean and ate good food and just rested. And then I went to Siena or no, um, for, uh, Florence. I had never been to Florence before. And I took about two days to explore Florence. And then from Florence, I took a train down to meet up with another Camino friend, believe it or not, that I met in Spain. She was in Tuscany at a B&B and she texted me and said, I'm here. If you want to take a rest day, the Airbnb owner said you can come and he'll let you stay for free. Wow. I was like, okay. And I went to Tuscany and I took cooking classes with him for three days. He taught me his cooking for three days. And then I went back and joined the trail again. So I'd spent 40 days walking, but I kind of, I did take a couple breaks. Sure. When you're doing these walking tours, you get to breathe in the scenery, get to know the people, the culture, the food, the music. Mm -hmm. Is there anything from that trip that one, I know that cooking lessons would probably be one thing that stands out, but is there something else that stands up from one of those trips that you would like to share? Just, I think walking, I don't think I could ever go back to traveling any other way. And also the magic of carrying very little clothes. I, I can't emphasize enough how important it is to me to feel the freedom of being able to just spontaneously do things. And I think if you have a huge suitcase, you can't do that. So I would rather wear the same outfit over and over and over and carry a small backpack so I can 
just pick up and go. Cause if you, if you have something that's really easy to just pick up, you don't need to be relying on any other person. You don't need a porter. You just pick up your bag, jump on a train. I think traveling light is the key to freedom. It's the key to spontaneity. So I urge people, I always tell people take literally like a fourth of what you think you need because it's, it feels free to get rid of all your stuff. And that's what, I think that's what changed me the most about walking across these countries is coming home and just wanting to purge my life. It's, it changes you in so many ways. You realize you don't need all the stuff that most people have. I will sort of echo those comments in my travels. I've been to countries where one might think these people are less fortunate than us because they don't have what we have. But when you actually talk to them, and spend some time with them. They're the happiest people you've ever met. Mm -hmm. I remember being in one place where we were invited for dinner. And one of the things they were so happy to show us is that in their bathroom, they actually had a concrete floor, but the rest of the house was a dirt floor, but that was their biggest accomplishment. And they were so proud of it. And they were talking, they were saving so they could do the living room and the master bedroom in a couple of years. I was sort of shocked a bit, but I've traveled a bit. So I understand that those are the things that make them happy. So when I do come home, I realize what I have. And I have a motto. It says, I may not have all that I want, but I have more than I need. Mm -hmm. Just say to anybody that's traveling, if you're on resort, get off resort. Immerse yourself in the people. Get to know the people and how they live. You're a guest in their country. Get out and enjoy it. I think with you're saying here with walking and what I'm understanding is it's a less impact on the environment. Less is more. That's what I'm trying to say. Less is more because, as you said, travel light. You can go at the spur of the moment. Now, we understand that you uh, are a plant-based educator. Can you tell us what we should be eating? I think... Your everybody's nutritional needs are as individual as your own thumbprint. So I became a plant-based health educator through the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, Dr. Neil Bernard in DC. And I love what I learned from them. And I loved it so much. I went back and continued my education and got a certificate for to be a nutritional counselor in San Diego. So saying that, I think everybody across the board should eat 80% vegetables. That's just my thinking. Green, as many greens, limited root vegetables. I think Americans eat more than their share of animal products after seeing how other people eat all over the country or all over the world. I personally, for my health challenges, I eat a tiny bit of protein, you know, uh, whether it's fish or chicken, but I would say 80%, I try to eat 80% green vegetables and then kind of have my meat as more like a side dish. Good. And then, um, but then that's, I think if you're, if you're, whatever your health challenges, you have to consider what that is. And I think if someone's facing Alzheimer's, the good fats are really important. I think fat's good. Like eggs are good for your brain. Mm -hmm. If a person has stints and they have heart problems, I absolutely think they should be plant-based. We can heal our bodies by what we eat or what we don't eat. But yeah, I, I think that for as far as the earth, as far as just sustainability, 
when you think it, when you look at the price of cheap beef, factory fed beef, factory chicken, how is it that cheap? You know, it's kind of scary. It's not no. sustainable. I don't know if you've ever driven past the cow fields through oh, yeah. it's New Mexico and Northern California. I mean, it's just not natural. It's not good for the earth. No. There's literally a, a ozone layer of pollution of when you drive past these big ranches. And I'm not going to mention the name of the company, but yep. it's actually really gross. And it makes you never want to eat a steak again. <laughs> so I still do once in a while, but no, I, I think that sustainability is a huge issue. Well, what I'm getting from this and I can share with the listeners is eating plant-based, you best to speak with a person that's educated, someone that knows, they can tell you it's more as individual as the individual. Just don't grab some fruit and vegetables or whatever, or vegetables and just start eating them because you think, well, someone told me I got to eat vegetables or plant-based. Speak with a proper nutritionist and make sure that you're getting the right balance for your health. Yeah, just... I think one thing that we all have in common is that most people need to eat just less processed food. How about that? I think as Americans, we have one of the worst diets in the world. When you think of the packaging, that's yeah. just my belief. The packages. They always say that uh, your body reacts to what you put in your mouth and your stomach is sort of like your center core of everything. And for you to lead a good, healthy life. It's it's what you put in. It's almost like automobiles. And I don't want to talk about that because that's another thing that's hurting our environment. But what you put in, how you maintain it, it's going to run, it's going to last longer. Just like a human body. It's what you put in it, how you maintain your body, you're going to last longer. So I appreciate you talking about that. And again, if people are looking for that type of information, seek out a specialist, somebody that's been educated like yourself. Now, what have you been doing... Most people have experienced lockdown since roughly March or April. So what have you been doing to keep yourself busy? Well, I have a adorable little grandson who's 13 months old, and I get to watch him about once a week. And I'm there with him about 11 hours. My daughter's a COVID nurse at a local hospital. She's an ICU COVID nurse. So I get to play with him. (laughs) It's the highlight of my week. Um, I'm studying French because the next country I'm going to walk across is France. And I've been warned that in the extremely rural little tiny towns where I'm going to be walking through, there's not a lot of English. So I thought I better be prepared. So I'm learning French, which is a big challenge for me. Phonetically, it's very different than Spanish or Italian. So (laughs) I've been doing that and just a lot of hiking. Yeah. (laughs) Now where you live, there's a lot of places to go hiking. Yes, I'm very lucky. Southern California is gorgeous. We've Excellent. got trails, mountain trails where we can see the mountains and the beach. So I try to go on long walks every weekend. Now, do you have a specific destination you've been to that you would highly recommend the listeners visit? One lockdown or travel is up again, something that you can sort of shed some light on and give them a little bit of knowledge on? Hmm. You mean domestically or internationally? Anywhere, you know, like it could be anywhere. It could be at home or abroad. God, that's like asking my favorite child. (laughs) I love to travel. I think everywhere is worth going to. I think 
Okay. I know. I think I know the answer to this. I think one of the most underrated places are little tiny towns in Italy. I think most North Americans, when they go to Italy, they go to Florence, they go to Rome. I don't know where to Venice. Venice. Yeah. And when I was walking through Italy, I can just tell you, there are so many amazing hillside towns. It's like a fairy tale. You know, you, those, the, the most famous places aren't the best places in Italy, in my opinion. And you just, just Tuscany is just gorgeous, but you even just outside of Tuscany, like the Chisa pass is a, is a, it was my favorite day walking through Italy. It's this high, high mountain route. And we were way high and I could look down and there were cars that looked like ants going through the tunnel below me. And it was crazy how high up I was on that trail, but um, just so many beautiful little towns of Italy that you've never heard of. San Miniato, Petromoli. Yeah, just look at a map and just Google ancient towns. <laughs> so do you have a bucket list? And is there, I know you talked about you're going to France. You're working towards that. But is there anything else on your bucket list uh, that when you can travel, you will go there? Yes. Um, let's see. I So many. That's the problem with a bucket list. When you go do something, you meet people who tell you to do more stuff. Yep. The list so, gets longer. <laughs> yes. The list just gets longer and longer, which is a reason why to stay healthy, you know? So let's see. I want to walk across France. Uh, I would like to go hike the Tour de Mont Blanc. It's the circumference of Mont Blanc. And it's a hiking trail that goes through France, Switzerland, and Italy, and along Chamonix, okay. um, Alps. And it's hut-to-hut hiking. I want to do that. I would like to go to Machu Picchu someday. I haven't been there. I've never been to South America. And I really want to go to South America. Um, I know I just said I'm a plant-based educator, but one of the, my vices, I love Argentinian meats. I yes. think Argentinians have the best cut of meats. Yeah. And when I do indulge in red meat, I, we have an Argentinian restaurant here in Laguna Hills that's amazing. Villaroma, it is so good. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to go to Argentina. I, w- I would love to see Patagonia, Machu Picchu. I think it would be fun. I think it's safe. I don't know. I think it would be fun just to do a, a road trip all over South America. Bolivia, for some reason, I'm obsessed with Bolivia. I don't know why. I just think it would be so fun to just be in the countryside. And um, I have a long bucket list. <laughs> and staying healthy means we have more time in which to endure. Make sure we cross off those things on our bucket list. Yeah. Before we wrap up the show today, is there anything you would like, if the listeners would like to get a hold of you, we might have listeners that are in your neighborhood or even just want to maybe talk to you about um, your specialties where it comes to nutrition and plant-based. Is there any way that they can contact you? I can put that in the show notes so they can, if you have uh, like a website or I have my website still under construction, but I do okay. have an Instagram. It's step into okay. your sparkle. Or if they put Sue Skelly in the search bar, it's okay. my Instagram. Okay. But yeah, I'm going forward. I have a dream and I think I feel called to do it. You know, Anita, the gal I told you I met in Spain, yeah. 
we have a vision. We we both experienced when we were walking across Spain, so many of our friends, our middle-aged female friends would say, you're so brave. Take me with you next time. And I don't think I'm brave at all, but so we were kind of brainstorming one day and we said, why don't we just start leading small groups of women to do, do these pilgrimages? Cause I think there's a lot of women who want to middle-aged women who want to explore the world and maybe they're either single or there's, partners don't want to travel with them. So we're going to be launching a travel company to take women on, on adventures, adventures that aren't tours, not, I'll never put you in a tour bus and make you go to a gift shop. I promise. (laughs) And I think that's amazing concept. And when it's ready to go, anything I can do to help promote it for you. That would be great. I try to tell people that uh, I made the biggest mistake. I spent so many of my younger years trying to climb the corporate ladder rather than travel. I've only spent the last approximately 20 years traveling. And I say to everybody, that's the best education I've ever got is to travel. I've learned more about people. I've learned more about myself traveling. I do thank you for taking the time today to talk to us on passports and postcards. I'd like to have you back on in the future. Maybe uh, when you return from France, we can catch up with you then or, or what are your journeys? Okay. Any final thoughts before we go? No, thank you for the opportunity. I, I travel is my favorite subject to talk about. So. 